With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Tennis in 10 podcast. I'm your host, Ed McGrogan, and today we're going to recap, or try to in just 10 minutes, what was Manic Monday. I thought the day certainly lived up to the name. It has been given for a while. Seems like that's almost been trademarked at this point. Even Wimbledon.com uses it. And I, you know, that started off really because of a very strong early slate of women's matches. Um, you know, you go from what you, even, you know, the center court match, Venus versus Ana Kanyu, not particularly competitive, but what we saw from almost all the other courts was really some captivating early stuff, setting the tone for the day. Um, those of you who woke up early to, to watch right from the start, this was definitely a day to show uh, variety amongst the the tours. Um, really just, you know, I thought some pretty strong play. No matter where you looked, kind of all over the day, there wasn't really too many lulls at all. And, you know, that really, really originally came about because of what we saw in court number two. Um, number two court, excuse me. Starting with Garbina Muguruza and Anjali Kerber, the past two Wimbledon runners-up. Both Grand Slam champions, and both played you know a great match. One of one of my favorite matches of this tournament goes to Muguruza four six six four six four. Kerber will now not uh, hold the number one ranking after Wimbledon. I believe it will go to either Carolina Pliskova or Simona Halep. And Muguruza, you saw her take advantage. I think a lot of what Kerber has been missing this year as compared to last year. Her decisiveness, especially with her with her ability to hit the forehand down the line, the backhand down the line. We just haven't seen as much of that this year. Even though Kerber off to a very nice start in this match, what we saw from Kerber the first week was her getting by some matches that, um, in particular the one against Shelby Rogers, where it did not look like she was going to make it to the second week. She did, but just barely so. And Muguruza eliminates her. Moving on in the tournament, certainly a grass court threat, um, as we've seen in the past, and you know, looking very well this week, and um, trying to, I, you know, turn her year around as well, starting here at Wimbledon. And the second match in number two court, not as competitive. Simona Halep versus Victoria Azarenka. Halep wins at seven six six two, and she was up five zero in the second. But what you got to see there, I thought, was. What makes Halep really a contender for this title? And I think given what happened to her at Roland Garros and given some of the, the, the grass court um, you know, strengths of a lot of her opponents, the rest of the draw, Halep maybe overlooked a little bit, but 
her movement, which she does so well on clay, really works just as well on grass. I mean, you need to you need to cover a lot of ground pretty quickly on grass with a faster faster ball moving through the surface. You have to get low, and you have to catch up to a lot of short balls sometimes. Halep does that as well as anybody in the game, and took it. You know, certainly showed that as soon as she got by the first set, really ran away with this one. Love what I saw from Halep today, and I, I you you really have to consider where she could end up. You know, next week at this time, could she be holding the trophy? Uh, not out of the question whatsoever. Uh, the other, you know, some other strong uh, early matches. Johanna Conta succeeded, and uh, British hopeful there advancing in two hours and twelve minutes. That signaled a, you know, just the start of what would what we would see in number one court for a lengthy match. But defeats Caroline Garcia in a tough one, and for Conta, you know, it's it's now going to be. You, you, Britain still has her, still has Amy Murray, as we'll get to. Um, I, I thought Garcia would pose a pretty good challenge to Conta, but Conta's really answered everything. She's played a lot of tennis thus far at at the championships, but thus far, you know, still has not looked worse for wear because of it, and and I think has really been helped by by this crowd, of course, and and really just a great opportunity too. Without uh, you know, it must without Serena Williams, of course. Um, number six seed, you're going to get a good draw based on that seeding as well. So Conta really comes off looking pretty well on this day. Early on, first player into the quarterfinals from either draw, uh, Svetlana Kuznetsova beats Agarodwanska 6-2, 6-4. You have Elena, uh, Elena Ostapenko, the French Open champion, needing eight match points, but she got it done against Elena Svitolina, the four seed, 6-3, 7-6. Ostapenko not you know not collapsing kind of from such an advantageous position unlike what Svitolina herself did at Roland Garros um, even though chances to end the match came and went Ostapenko you know undeterred and this has been just a tremendous summer for her she moves on as does Coco Vandeweghe who defeats Carolyn Wozniacki 7-6-6-4 Vandeweghe's run uh, to the quarterfinals for a second time and Magdalena Rabarakova defeats Petra Mardik, 6-4-2-6-6-3. That is your women's uh, slate of results. And then from that point, it moves right on to the men. And the, I thought the best example of of how this, this day went is we're just kind of catching up and taking your breath after this really good slate of women's matches. Didn't realize that a lot of the men's matches were already you know a set deep or so. As you got to watch some of the men's matches, you totally forgot that some others were even on that you were looking forward to coming in the day. I was on Rafael Nadal's match against Gilles Moore because he lost the first set early, and obviously that match went uh, much longer than that and became more dramatic as it went on, completely forgetting that Federer was playing Dimitrov on center court. Didn't even even think about it until Federer was already a set and a half up on Dimitrov. Federer cruised in that one, four, two, and four in an hour and thirty-eight minutes. You just you just wonder where Dimitrov is that we saw at the Australian Open. Um, just a very very you know peaking early this year for sure for him. Federer just looking fantastic in that one. Early on center court, you had Andy Murray beating uh, Benoit Paire seven six six four six four. 
Murray was down a break a couple at a couple different intervals in that, and in the first set especially. Um, but but wins in two twenty one, wins in straight sets, and um, you know ultimately ultimately his you know what he does so well, um, you know making you hit so many shots. And, and, you know, and also, you know, his offense on grass serving, he, you know, he is, I think an underrated serve on grass, um, you know, takes care of business there, moves on to the quarters. Now, what we were, what we were talking about before Roth and Mueller, obviously the match of the day, probably the match of the tournament wasn't, you know, not my favorite match quality wise, only because, um, it was just trading holds and holds and holds, but the drama was there. There was match points that came and went. Rafa started by losing the first two sets, 6-3, 6-4. He wins the next two sets, 6-3, 6-4. And then we got into, felt like Isner Mahout territory. When I was watching this, I did not, I, I thought I thought we would, we would be heading for something around the 2020 level of games because both of them were holding pretty regularly. Now it got quite hairy at the end for you know for both guys. It was a lot of love thirty as we got past the six six point of the match, and Rafa did have to save two break points pretty early on. He ended up saving five overall, I believe, before Mueller ends up winning this fifteen thirteen in the fifth in four hours and forty eight minutes. As you heard coming into this match. It was Mueller who had a big bump in his seating because of his grass court exploits. He does very well on the surface. He has a hard lefty serve. He hits the ball flat, does it well with a forehand and backhand. We saw that all throughout the day. Uh, Rafa really never got a great read on this serve, even after all those looks at it. He had plenty of opportunities. Both of them really did to break throughout this uh, fifth set, as I said, once it got once it really got into the overtime. A lot of love 30s, 1530s. Um, Rafa was really, you know, really gutsy on some of the break points. Came into volley one out to, to put away one with a volley. Uh, saved one off an ace. I think he actually gave Mueller his first match point with a double fault. I think he did that at 1530. Uh, hit an ace on, on one of the next points and then served out wide and he got a return to go back in net for the other. But it does continue the, the pattern of Rafa. Since he reached the final in 2011 against Djokovic, he has never been past the fourth round at Wimbledon. This is his second fourth round exit over the last six years. He's only played five of those six years. Um, but And he's run into the same type of player every single time. Someone who is really going to hit the ball hard. Someone who, um, you know, can take, can really take what Rafa gives him uh, the high bouncing ball and kind of negate it with with the pace that comes back. It's what happened today. It's it's kind of a you know topsy turvy in some ways this match, yet sort of straightforward in the other. Just kind of waiting for that first person to blink, and it was Rafa this time. And at Wimbledon, you can't actually be too surprised. Although I did think from what we saw in the first week that this might have been the year that streak was finally broken, and Rafa would kind of return to those later rounds. Uh, let's kind of run through the uh, the remaining matches. We are over ten minutes here. We'll do a little overtime uh, in uh, in pay our respects to the uh, Rafa Mueller epic there that got a lot of buzz. Five setters, couple of them. Uh, Milos Raonic beats Alexander Zverev six one in the fifth. That was very close before that, but it was a lopsided fifth set. Uh, Raonic um, to beat a guy like Zverev 
who kind of still waiting for that little breakthrough, thought it might have come here. Roundage can't be underestimated on grass with his serve, obviously. He moves on. Thomas Burdich over Dominic Team. That one certainly a surprise to me, even with Burdich's history at the all England Club wins. 6-3 in the fifth. Um, he had a two sets to one lead. They split, you know, they alternated the first four sets. Burdich, though, takes out, you know, kind of in both of these matches I just referenced there, the huge serving veterans, um, you know, take out the uh, the younger, you know, the, the younger baselining talents on, you know, on these matches here. Uh, Chilich, Marin Chilich, who benefits, of course, he's going to play Jill Moore, who obviously can, you know, can give anybody problems, but you have to love where Chilich's spot is right now in this draw. He is, he will play Muir in the quarterfinals. He'll play the winner of Andy Murray and Sam Query. Query, another five-set winner. There were there were four five-set matches today. Query over Kevin Anderson, 6-3 in the fifth. They had a 7-6, 13-11 breaker in the fourth that went Anderson's way. So a lot of credit to Query for sticking with it in the fifth. And, you know, that's, you know, one of those four is going to be in the final. Obviously, Murray wouldn't be a surprise given he's defending a two-time champion, but just some tremendous opportunity for Chilich to, if he's able to catch, uh, you know, keep it going really here. And you're going to see, you know, we only mentioned seven matches. The other one we didn't mention is Djokovic and Manorino did not go on today. They were planned to play a number one court after Rafa, uh, that match went late. They could have put Djokovic and Manorino on center court much earlier. Um, Federer, th- there was a pretty quick center court schedule with Venus, Murray, and Federer all winning in straight sets. They definitely could have put Djokovic and Manorino on at least to start. Probably got two and a half, three hours of play. Plus, you have the roof if you need for the lights to finish it. Very strange decisions from Wimbledon. They cited safety concerns of of moving people around the grounds. Because I think they would have had to consider accepting number one court tickets because they pay for that to get to get them in center for Djokovic. Or there's a lot of confusion with who was already on center court, had those passes. It was a mess. Wimbledon doesn't look great because of it. You have a roof. This is a day where you should get all the fourth round matches in. So you're all set for the two semifinal days. And now um, you know, you're gonna have Djokovic and Manorino put in with tomorrow's women's quarterfinal schedule just um unfortunate and it doesn't you know it's not a great it's not great for Djokovic or Manorino whoever's going to win that they'll have to play two two days in a row with the men's quarters on Wednesday so with that said that will take care of today's tennis and 10 it's about tennis and 15 really wrap up we'll be back tomorrow to talk about Djokovic and Manorino and all four women's quarterfinals from the all England club Thank you for listening. This is Ed McGrogan for Tennis.com. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 